Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of She Se Puede podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Varela, and we are coming to you live from San Francisco. Today, we have very special guest, Seda Garcia. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm so excited to be here and oh, be a part of the podcast. We're excited for you to be here. Um, and Zeta is a first-generation Chicana therapist and educator, and her work is driven by social justice and authenticity. Um, so before we get into more in-depth questions, uh, we're just going to start with kind of like a background of Zeta's um, professional identity and how she got there. All right. Take it away, Zeta. All right. Thank you for having me again. I'm really excited to be here. And I am originally from Los Angeles, California. Um, first generation, as you mentioned, both of my parents immigrated from Mexico when they were younger. Um, I believe like my professional identity stems from that uh, I got into youth work years ago uh, have been in the Bay Area in San Francisco since 2005 I believe oh. so I came out here to go to San Francisco State and was really really interested in Raza studies. I studied mm -hmm. Raza studies, sociology. So my youth work really began when I started college. And through just youth development work, organizing work, I began to see how our own upbringing, in particular my upbringing, like how it began to impact um, the way we process our emotions, how we hold it in our bodies, the way that we see the world yeah so um after years of youth development work i began to um, be interested in mental health uh, i'm a trained school counselor so i went to usf for um to get my master's in school counseling and clinical counseling and i guess i began all of my professional identity because as I mentioned to you, I feel like it's very intersectional. Like I don't have a identity that's just, oh, this is me at home and then this is me in my profession. I feel like I am the same in both places yeah. and my work and my professional identity is rooted in who I am um, yeah. and the love for my people, the yeah. love for youth. Um, and just the love for like wellness, right? And mm -hmm. making sure that everyone is okay. Yeah, is good. definitely. Yeah. That's definitely something that I think everybody should care about. Yes. <laughs> yes. And do you feel like your identity as a Latina has ever affected your like professional life or advancement to your professional identity? I think my identity as a Latina or as a Chicana, as being first generation, um, in the beginning of my professional career, I had a sense of, of course, I had a sense of identity, right? Like I'm rooted in what I want to do. I was very particular in what schools I looked into, what jobs I looked into because I wanted to work with a particular population, serving Latinx youth, serving black youth, serving brown youth and families. And I always, I remember when I was in high school, like my high school counselor was like, hey, you wear your heart on your sleeve. Like maybe 
tone it down a little bit <laughs> um so i had to like balance that right i had to figure yeah. out how to gracefully say what i wanted to say um and i believe given the intentionality that i have with looking for jobs and looking for employment it hasn't necessarily impacted um my ability to find employment i know you mm -hmm. mentioned advancement too. yes um with advancement it's interesting and i think i'll probably get into it a little more um yeah it, it's interesting to think about because i remember my first interview one of my first interviews outside of when i had graduated grad school i was it was a bilingual position that i was applying for it was mm -hmm. a mental health position in oakland and I knew people who worked at the school mm -hmm. and I was the only Latina applying to the job. So I was like, oh, great. Like, I'm about to get this. And there was two folks who weren't Latino. Okay. Um, one who was a white male mm -hmm. that spoke Spanish. All right. And they chose him Aww. to get the job. So in that sense, right, I given the way that we look at race in class mm -hmm. and gender in society, I think with the interviewers, um, the biases that they might've had. Yeah. Even though I was more than qualified for that position. Yeah. Given their own, uh, internalized beliefs about what someone might like a professional might look like in this setting. Mm -hmm. I feel like in that sense. Yeah. Um, it, limited my advancement because I definitely was not definitely. offered that position however yeah. I knew I was supposed to <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that happens a lot like um I was definitely supposed to get that job but okay <laughs> right yeah no we had this exact same experience like mm -hmm. I we both had just graduated and I actually like ended up having to work with the person that got hired because I was hired at a different school but um yeah, it was just interesting because I'm like, oh, like, yeah. what? like what, what was, was the, it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 All right. And well, I guess this question also just kind of like relates to that is does being a Latina ever come up at all in the workplace for you? And like if it does, like in what dynamic? It comes up um, in various dynamics or so in different ways. It comes up when I work with students. Uh, right now, I'm not working in schools. I'm working in a community-based setting. So I work with Latinx families. So I provide therapy in Spanish. I provide therapy in Spanish for youth. And I provide family therapy for families. And me being Latina or me being Chicana, me being Spanish-speaking first generation comes up when... I'm relating to families, right? When mm -hmm. I am working with families, when I am connecting, making connections, when I'm building um, a relationship with them. Mm -hmm. And it's helpful, right? Yeah, I was. Gonna, I feel like it, that must be helpful for the families because they could somewhat relate to you and feel more comfortable to you. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So they're definitely we can relate to one another. Like I can mm -hmm. better understand like, Oh, this is where this comes from. Or I've seen this before. And mm -hmm. this is where I might stem from. And I feel 
like in the setting that I am currently in, I am very intentional about where I work and who I work with. And so sometimes employment places of employment aren't as intentional in choosing folks. Yeah. Um, so some of the ways that I've seen it come up recently is people that I work with taking a special interest in my culture, a special interest in uh. getting to know what this means or somehow becoming like that go-to like, Hey, is this what people like? Like it's very like this expert in like Latinidad or something. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. Ask, ask them the people that you're wondering about. Like, yeah. what are you asking me? Yeah. So I feel like it comes up in that way. Um, so I guess it's like, it comes up positively and then it comes up in a way that's yeah. a kind of not mm -hmm. exciting for me. Yeah. And I think that's funny too, especially because, you know, the Latino culture, it's so many different countries that these people are coming from. So sometimes like I'll be asked a question and then I'll be like, and just like something like a word, like, oh, how do you say that? And I'm like, well, since I'm Mexican, I say this one way, but like, in you know uh someone who might maybe guatemalan that might be like offensive to them so it's just like and i feel like sometimes the latino culture is so bunched up together right when right. in reality like each is so different right <laughs> that there's like different ethnicities or different regions even in mexico right like there's mm -hmm. different regions where we might use like my family's from jalisco so it's like yeah. we might use a particular word and in a different state, they might use a particular, a different word to describe the same thing. Exactly. Um, yeah. It's just, it's a wide range. And I feel like sometimes in America, they think like, oh, Latino, Latina, yeah. they're all the same. Like, right. it's like, and you it's, know everything, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. great. Yeah. Like, that's what it's, that's how it's come up recently. Yeah. And well, I guess moving on into something that a little more kind of sensitive is have does being a Latina have you ever experienced some form of discrimination before there is different ways that like discrimination will come up and I feel like it can be either like over right or covert and one of the ways that I feel there was discrimination was that interview that I asked or that I was sharing about right mm -hmm. so in thinking about like hey I'm bicultural I'm bilingual like I'm more than qualified for this position mm -hmm. and because of the way that you feel or the way that folks might think a professional looks like they mm -hmm. weren't which is white male right exactly <laughs> yeah thank you <laughs> yeah there might yeah I think they was like oh we're gonna go with him because I and I remember somebody sharing with me that they had mentioned the interviewers had mentioned he would fit into our teacher culture and all of the teachers mm. were white. Of course, mm -hmm. the students were not. Um, yeah. So I think that's a way that definitely I feel like it's discrimination. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if I can point to particular, maybe I've just blocked them out of mm. yeah. my mind to where I'm like, Hey, this, cause I'm not denying that it happens at all. Right. Like, of course it happens all the time. I feel like I mm -hmm. experience so many microaggressions daily mm -hmm. um but you kind of just like yeah brush them off like right just or don't even pay mind to them <laughs> right right yeah. right and again like i feel like i'm very intentional about where i work 
that that I hope limits a little bit of the mm-hmm. discrimination or the bias. Yeah. Um, but there's still a lot of like microaggressions. Yeah, no, definitely. So, I mean, clearly you have had professional success. Well, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. And just, I kind of wanted to know, like, what were the main things um, that helped support you in like achieving this success? Like, may it be, you know, just like a mentor you might have ran into or your family or something like that. I think um, having a strong sense of identity well, that was developed. Like I wasn't just like born with it, right? Like throughout <laughs> yeah. my years, like I've had to develop a strong sense of identity around who I am, what my beliefs are, what my values are. Um, I think that's helped because it helps align the work that I do, right? It mm-hmm. doesn't kind of leave me like, oh, all over the place and trying to figure out what I'm doing, but it allows me to be driven and be focused on what I, what it is that I want to accomplish and mm-hmm. what it is that I want to do. Having mentors has also helped a lot. I was fortunate enough to have um, professors here actually in at USF who helped in the program, who helped with navigating um, the systems, helped me like do research on areas of focus that I was interested in and really um nurtured that like creativity in different interventions or different assignments that I had to do and mm-hmm. and really like nurtured that passion also that I feel like I brought into the work that I was doing or into like the classroom environment um they were all about it they were like yes because it's a social justice school so yeah. um yeah and they were really supportive and continue to be really supportive I, um, I think that's actually what has helped in a way they were very validating in that experience and that's helped because I also now teach in the same program I graduated from. So, um, that's great. And having a mentor definitely helped. I also have a lot of friends who are in education. Mm. Um, so having that, a lot of folks of color, a lot of POC that are in the school settings that are working with youth that do community organizing. So I feel like having that support network. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. And if you you, like, if you run into a problem, then, you know, you could talk to your friends about it. And since they're in the same environment as you, it's, I feel like that can be very helpful. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So having that community um, and then even friends who aren't in development, like in youth development, right. Mm -hmm. Just having a group of friends or a community, a support network that does, support you when you need help or when you, you know, when you need to fundraise or when you need job um, recommendations Mm -hmm. or not like professional recommendations, but yeah. Say if you're looking for a job, they might know somebody that knows somebody. Exactly. Like connections. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, it seems like you were able to kind of find some type of mentor or someone to just like help you guide like help guide you on your professional journey um which leads to my next question is do you consider yourself a role for other latinas a role role model model, i'm sorry (laughs) it's okay uh definitely i think um i when i was a school counselor i had interns my first two interns were um identified as latinx um and 
I hope I was a role model to them, but (laughs) I bet you were. (laughs) I definitely um, was very intentional about choosing them also because they're, it's sometimes hard to like see us reflected in the field, right? Exactly. It's difficult. So I think anytime I can make a connection with someone Mm -hmm. who is in the same field that I am or is um, a person of color in the counseling profession, in the therapy uh, profession, in a youth development profession, like I definitely hope that I would be a role model. Um, I don't think that I am like officially mentoring anyone, right, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like I am a role model as far as um, being able to work with or set an example as mm-hmm. to how you can show up in your yeah, professional settings definitely right? yeah. and I feel like that where that saying come from like in order to like become something you kind of need to see it first so I mean not necessarily but like when you see a woman of color or a Latina woman um you know being successful in like a field that you may be interested in I think that just gives you so much more like hope and like drive like oh she can do it I can do it so I feel like that's just important for us to you know showcase that to younger women in order for them to you know have more confidence when they get to you know that stage in their life right and I feel like I'm also very intentional about not only just being a woman of color but being a woman of color who like strongly identifies with being a woman of color right strongly identifies with um her background and her roots Mm -hmm. um I feel like there can be folks of color who might go into a profession and might not necessarily want to display all of that because of what society tells us, right? Is appropriate or is professional or not. However, Mm -hmm. like I am all about like being who you are, right? And being authentic and being unapologetic um, about who you are. So I feel like I do, or I hope that I do a good job in, in showing like you can show up as who you are. Yeah. Um, And like, of course, like I've had to learn to navigate that world and learn how to Mm -hmm. be like, okay, how can I be intentional about the way that I address this particular issue that comes up um, and still remain true to who I am? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so throughout your professional journey, well, and personal, um, have you had to kind of overcome any organizational obstacles? throughout like your professional career yes so I've had to one I mean working within systems and working within a structure there's always something that's maintaining that right there's always like different protocols or different situations that we have to follow um so oftentimes I've seen how organizations that I work with although we are serving a particular population or we are serving youth, we, they might still treat you the certain way. Right. Mm -hmm. So having to address those issues, um, have those conversations because at the end of the day, like I'm here for the youth, right. I'm here for the kids. I'm here for the families. Um, yeah, so there is definitely different issues that you see, societal issues and systemic and structural issues that you see come up in different organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's more so directed towards like the folks we work with. 
However, I've also had to navigate like, hey, I should be getting paid more. Yes, Um, that is definitely a huge issue. Yes. (laughs) And it took me, I think, three years into my professional identity as a school counselor or Mm -hmm. as a counselor to be like, "Um, I'm going to go ahead and ask for this like increase, right? I'm going to go ahead and ask for this rate. And that was difficult because I feel like I grew up learning like you don't ask for anything like that, right? Mm -hmm. And what if they say no? Like it can be super scary. So I definitely had to make sure that one, like I got paid what I was worth and Mm -hmm. negotiated that. And even then it wasn't like it was it wasn't that much, but it was like (laughs) it's more than I was getting paid. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I feel like there's a lot of, I mean, and I guess that's not necessarily a structural issue, but there's a lot like there's, I had to work through a lot of like imposter syndrome. Like, am I supposed to be doing this? Mm-hmm. Or like, why did they hire me? Did they like, are they meeting a quota? And <laughs> you know, and there's a lot of that, that it's like constantly having to work through. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's not necessarily like structural, but it's more so internalized. Um, but I think like the salary piece and the advocating for folks that we work with, mm-hmm. especially when they are unable to sit at the table with us when we're having these discussions and meetings. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, actually, like, let's think about this. Or actually, if the purpose mm-hmm. is the youth, why don't we think about this? So I feel like those are some of the things that I've had to navigate. Yeah, definitely. I feel like the imposter syndrome, at least for me, has been coming up so often and I just feel like oh like everyone I talk to they're like oh wait no I'm not supposed to be in this like program or wait how did I get this job like I don't think I could do it and it's like that's another reason I feel like we just need to like all talk about it and discuss like no we're all capable of doing it this is how this is why we're supposed like this is where we're supposed to be and it's like especially for the younger generation like they need to know that they're worthy enough to be this or go to school here or you know right, I feel right, like that's right. so important but I mean for me too the imposter syndrome is real like <laughs> yeah and I'm like where does this even come from I, I mean I know colonization yeah. and like you know the mentality that you know there's I mean marginalization colonization we I can do a whole history lesson on it <laughs> yeah and like it's still even though because I teach right now I'm teaching cross-cultural mm-hmm. um counseling And so that's like one of my passions talking about all of that. And still, I still have struggle with like, oh, wait, am I supposed to be doing this? Like, why why do they hire me? Like, who hired, you know, in in all of the settings that I've been in, not just like one in particular, like even in my role as a therapist, like I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I'm I know I'm good at this. Like I've been told like it's great. And then there's days where. I'm just like, wait, am I, how did I, did I hear, you know? Yeah, I feel like it's been happening. Like for me, it's just been like all my friends, like I have like classmates who have all said this, have felt the same way. And I'm like, wait, why are we all feeling like this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, ho- I mean, I think first step is just talking about it. Right. Yeah. Right, right. So, you know, like, yeah. yeah, we all feel like this, but it's the feeling is not true like (laughs) right and but then it speaks to just like those internalized messages right Mm -hmm. and like messages that we don't even know we internalize unless we're like talking about them exactly i have a 
I started a blog in 2018. I know I'm not, I don't write on it as much as I should, but I want to start up being consistent with it again. So it's like a wellness blog. Mm -hmm. And one of the topics somebody had told me on Instagram, like, oh, you should write about imposter syndrome. And I'm like, that's a great topic. Mm -hmm. And like, there's still a lot of stuff I still have to work through around it. So I'm like, oh, how am I going to write about this? Yeah, I guess that's my way of like processing. right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So (laughs) next question is kind of going kind of in your more towards your background again. Um, And like when you were younger or now, did or does your family or close friends have any expectations for you professionally? I don't remember having any like professional expectations like, oh, you need to be a doctor or you need to do Mm -hmm. this or you need to be a police officer um, or anything like that. Um, But I feel like I was very fortunate to have a lot of cousins and, and my brother and, um, yeah, just different cousins who are much older go to college before mm. me. So I had cousins going to USC. I had cousins going to University of Redlands. And um, my brother went to Cal State LA. And, you know, so I had that example of like, oh, I'm supposed to go to college. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I don't know if I ever got that message from my mom of like, hey, you have to go to college but that's somehow what I just assume. Ass- yeah. Cause I'm like, Oh, that's what we're supposed to do. We're yeah. supposed to go to college. My cousins went to college and yeah, that's what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I'm, I guess, yeah. Fortunate enough to also have them as role models and them as examples, but also not have that pressure of like, Hey, you have to follow this family legacy. Right. Or you have yeah. to be a doctor. Mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's good. I yeah. mean, I, you had, I mean, obviously they had expectations. Well, not expectations, but of you doing something with your life. Yeah, yeah, But nothing like too specific. So it's kind of like you were able to create your own path with that. Yes. Which that's good. Because sometimes you hear those stories. I feel like especially in the, you know, the Latinx community, like, no, you have to do this or you have to do that. Kind of not forcing them, but kind of expecting a little bit more than they may not want to do. I mean, I've heard stories like that. And I feel like that's good that you were able to kind of create your own path with what you want to do. Yes. And I think it's difficult too sometimes, especially, I mean, as someone who's first generation, I felt like there was a lot of expectations Mm -hmm. on us, right? And not necessarily like, hey, you have to do this. Um, But there's also a lot of responsibility that I feel like I took on like, oh no, I have to do this for my parents. Like, I don't think anyone ever told me that I had to do it, but it was just like, I felt like, oh, they sacrificed this Mm -hmm. to come to the U.S right they sacrifice themselves they sacrifice their lives my mom worked like two to three jobs Mm -hmm. um to make it by yeah and so i felt like oh this is how i repay them exactly Um, yeah yeah so it's hard because i'm like i don't think anyone ever directly told me like no you have to do this yeah but it was just like that internalized expectations that you had yes yes do you feel like you are creating change for Latinas in specifically in the United States workforce? I believe so. I feel like, again, you know, I 
have gotten to a point where I can go to a place of employment and show up as like my full self and show up as like, uh, no, this is what I meant. And I said it right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I feel like that is creating change. Definitely. Um, it's setting an example of like, Hey, that's okay for you to speak up or it's okay for you to say something, even if other people don't agree. Like if that's what stands true for you, mm-hmm. like honor that, right. Yeah. Honor your voice, honor yourself, honor what it is that is coming up for you. Um, and I feel like in settings, of course, like, professional settings we feel or even in in workforce in the workforce in general like we feel like oh we have to be professional and what being professional again like it equals being white or (laughs) being like oh you have to be this and that and um and it doesn't right like Mm -hmm. it's you can be yourself in a professional setting you can bring your personality yeah um yeah it's not this weird like switch you turn on and off so i hope that i'm creating change in the workforce in that way right and also like seeing like folks that look like you in settings that you might yeah not necessarily see them so definitely yeah well I feel like you definitely just from like meeting you and your personality (laughs) like you will definitely help empower uh you know other young Latinas in the future and just yeah seeing how you've had your personal success like being even though you know your journey maybe would go one path I still think just hearing your story can help inspire you know other women in the future specifically if they're trying to get into you know maybe the therapy or being an educator I feel like just seeing someone that may look like them is just that much more you know empowering Yeah. And I think that's really helped me like seeing people that look like me seeing folks of color in the education field and seeing folks of color not only be in the education field, but like really be about that work. Right. Really be about the people, really be about social justice and like Mm -hmm. bringing up issues of inequity um that's really been inspiring for me and that's helped shape me into like the educator and therapist and healer and yeah all of the above Uh you know yeah that um encompass who I am so I feel like other folks setting that example of like oh it is appropriate to bring that up right Mm -hmm. like um I have a friend who working for the county I felt like oh I have to I can't like speak up about this or uh, I can't speak yeah. up about that and this was recent right I'm and she would be like no you can say something and then she would say something so I'd back her up and <laughs> now she's no longer working with me but now I'm like uh actually like this is what this looks like or actually this yeah. is what this feels like and being okay with like mm-hmm. being you are in sharing and honoring again exactly. that voice. Yeah. I feel like people, yeah, it's so important to speak up because, like, at the end of the day, what's the worst that could happen? They're not going right. to agree with you, okay? Right. Right. <laughs> like, like, and then, then if they fire me, like I left knowing that I spoke up, right? Exactly. Like, like yeah. you're you're happy with what you did, right? Right. Yeah. All right. Well, that is actually all the questions we have today. But thank you so much, Zeta, for being our guest at She Se Puede. Of course. Thank you for inviting me. It was great speaking with you. Um, And yeah, so everybody tune in for our next episode of She Se Puede. Thank you. Thank you.